This episode is brought to you by City on Fire by number one international bestseller Don Winslow. Stephen King has called Don Winslow one of America's greatest storytellers and Christian White has said that City on Fire is a masterpiece, wonderfully crafted, beautifully written and a propulsive, authentic page turner. It's already receiving rave reviews all around the world with Publisher Weekly, Library Journal, Kirkus and Booklist all already giving it starred reviews saying epic, stunning and brilliant. It will be released in Australia on the 4th of May, so pre-order now. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 35,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been living with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh, feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness to your ears. Today, I welcome for the first time to the pod, the great Matt Stanton. Matt is a best-selling children's author and illustrator who has sold more than 1 million books worldwide. His middle grade series, Funny Kid, debuted as the number one Australian kids book. He has published best-selling picture books, There is a Monster Under My Bed Who Farts, and This is a Ball. Welcome, Matt! Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, I love having you on and we met. It was lovely to finally meet you. Obviously, you know, everyone in the industry knows you. So you're a huge success. We met at Somerset Story Fest, which was just such a joy to be there, wasn't it? And what I what oh. I saw and remember about you was you, you were sitting there with your books and you had this endless line of kids <laughs> waiting for you to sign the books. And isn't that the dream of an author? Oh, it's, it's been so wonderful. I mean, it's been kind of two years of, of none of that, mm-hmm. right? And, and so to be back with kids and, and chatting to them and meeting them and uh, is always just so thrilling. And yeah, I love it's a it. buzz, isn't it? And yeah. it was my first um, Somerset Story Fest and it was just, the vibe was just brilliant. I think everyone was just so happy to be out, you know, to be out, yeah. to see other human beings. And most of it was outdoors, so you still felt pretty safe. And it was just yeah. this glorious greenery and the tent and the balloons and books. And I don't think you couldn't do it any better, could you? It was amazing. No, they do such a great job there. And, uh, and Andrea and the team, it's just so such a wonderful uh environment where where books are being celebrated and um and yeah just bringing so many authors and kids together it's a delight Mm, it is and it's really different because you see you know festivals and they're celebrating lots of other things but like you said to have a festival dedicated to authors and books and illustrators and just have next level entertainment you know all day in the night at lunchtime like it never stopped it was like this never ending party yeah, it was. Uh, I was signing books at one point to like some awesome like sixteen-year-old playing like a death metal solo in the middle of the crop, and it was great. So good. Because <laughs> you did, you really felt the creativity there, didn't you? Like everyone yeah. was, everyone was a creative being, and you just felt it. It was great. So it was lovely to meet you. But I want to talk about your new book, Bored. Um, great book. My nine-year-old loved it. It's on high rotation for him, and he's an avid reader of all things. Can you give me an elevator pitch as to what this book is about? Sure. Uh, so 
what I wanted to do was uh, write a series um, where I could use I could use the humor that I that I love to write with, um, but I could bring it to the kind of the everyday life, the ordinariness, um, but the complicated business of being a kid. So, uh, so I wanted to write a series that wasn't kind of escapist, wasn't hugely exaggerated, um, but was uh, was set in in kind of real life. Mm. and uh and and celebrated and found the interesting and funny things that happen as as kids are uh working out how to relate to each other how to deal with various pressures um yeah that's uh, that's bored and and look every kid in the world has said i'm bored every parent has heard it <laughs> a thousand times it's the problem that unites us all and uh and the idea in the in the books is that uh, different books in the series will be uh, the, the will be narrated by different kids uh, in this in this kind of group of kids who live in a cul-de-sac. Um, but the thing that it will start every book is the fact that they start bored. Mm. They're bored. They're not sure what they're doing, and then either something happens or they think of something. Something comes from that boredom. Yeah, I love that, and you know, I think boredom is good not for extended periods of time, but when my kids are bored, I'm like, good, because now's your time to be creative and think about or do something interesting. Because if you're always doing something passively or watching TV or, you know, occupying your mind, you're not giving yourself that time to think and to create, are you? Absolutely. Um, I think boredom is the sign that you've you've run out of inputs, right? Mm. Or you're, you're dissatisfied with your inputs. Um, and, and that, I think, is a great thing <laughs> because now... Now you get to discover that you can output, that 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 you can find within you things to create, things to make, um, things to imagine, and that there's, I think, even more joy uh, and more fun to be found in that process, especially for kids. Um, but you kind of you won't ever get there if the inputs don't turn off. Yeah, um, absolutely. So so I I agree. I think I think boredom is good. Mm. And I think kids these days, they have a lot less boredom than we did. I think we're of a similar vintage-ish. And I remember growing up in the 80s, 90s, and I lived in a cul-de-sac. So that was a nice little nostalgic <laughs> jog of memory for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just finding things to do. But I think these days it's it's a real battle for all of us because there's the Xbox and there's the, the Switch. And there is definitely a place for all of that. But sure. everything, you know in moderation or you know a balance of things i guess and so i think it was easier for us in a way to create and imagine and make the skate ramps and the jumps in the dirt back in the 90s because there was a lot of free time we didn't have a phone in our pocket or a switch at our you know beck and call it was it was a bit of a different yeah a different time wasn't it i we lived in a house that um uh in a in a pretty quiet street um but um my my parents had dreams of a swimming pool but we didn't have a swimming pool what we did have was a giant hole in the ground for a swimming <laughs> pool uh, and we had that the entire time i lived there there was no swimming pool ever arrived but there was a swimming pool sized hole and so me and a few of the kids in the street we would just play in this giant swimming pool hole we made puppy houses down there it was great it's the best i love that so much and you did i remember just riding my bike around and around that yeah. cul-de-sac endlessly until you thought of new games you know that's really cool stuff so i like that it was kind of nostalgic for the adult reading the book as well i thought good i, I kind of wanted a bit of that i want yeah yeah 
<laughs> well, I got it. I got it. Hit the nail on the head. Right. Now, I love on the back, the blurb says the complicated business of being a kid. And I sometimes think we underestimate how hard it is being a kid. You know, you're trying to work the world out. You're trying to work out who you are. You got friends and all of a sudden a friend doesn't want to play with you anymore. You've got school. You're learning all these things. And sometimes I think we underestimate how tough it is to be a kid sometimes. So I like how you acknowledge that. I totally agree with you. I, I think uh, sometimes we're, we're at risk of thinking of kids as kind of half-formed humans, that they're kind of like, you know, they're half-baked, they're half baked, but they're not quite done yet. And, uh, and I, think, I think we kind of do that at our peril. I think we patronise them. And, and, and kids, kids are engaging with some incredibly complex stuff, as we, as we did, mm-hmm. um, but they're 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 entering into these spaces all all the time that are totally new and they're navigating systems that they don't understand yet um kind of social systems and hierarchies and that we barely understand exactly right (laughs) yeah um and so i mean for me as a kid i escaped into my imagination a lot almost as a form of kind of well escape um and and so um yeah, I think I think to to think about childhood as as simple or as kind of oh those were, those were the days wasn't that just so easy and then I became an adult and I, and life got hard. It's like yeah, but I think we've we've life life is is pretty hard and complicated there too. And um and I think I think as children's authors our job is to is to treat that space with the utmost respect and and to try to to meet kids there mm. um and uh, and that's certainly what i'm trying to do yeah and then you do it brilliantly you're doing it that's what i really liked about the story just really acknowledging the kids journey and not undermining that and you know i must admit i never had anything much to do with little kids i was a high school teacher for 17 years so it wasn't until i had my own kids i was like wow you know a lot for seven you know you're really yeah. smart how does a seven-year-old know that yeah. Oh, there are um, that. Yeah. So, so I have four kids. Uh, the eldest has just turned nine. The youngest is one and a half. Oh, wow. And, uh, and they surprise me all the time right? with yeah. what they've, what they've heard, what they've understood, what they've thought about the phrases that come out of their mouth, <laughs> because, you know, they heard it somewhere else and it's stuck somehow yeah. and they've recalled it and used it. Um, even so my one and a half year old is not really speaking yet, but her comprehension for what we are saying to her is extraordinary. Yeah. She can understand so much, even though she doesn't have the, the physicality yet to be able to form mm. the words herself. Um, and yeah, so, so the things that our kids understand that they pick up, that they hear from other places, I think they're a lot more knowledgeable often than we we can give them credit. It's remarkable, isn't it? And yeah, Mm. they surprise me every day. And even, you know, the things they create and things they retain. Yeah. Oh, like I remember we did this mum two years ago and we did this, this, like, how do you, I can't remember what I did yesterday. And you're remembering something we did two years ago. (laughs) Yes. But you said. Oh, yes. You promised. promised. I'm sure I didn't. But anyway, (laughs) who's to say? Who's to say? Yeah. In the acknowledgements in the beginning, you mentioned how this book came out as a conversation. So what, what happened there to, to inspire or ignite this book? Yeah, so uh, so 
uh, my publisher, uh, Tren Bing, who is the, the head of, of Australian children's publishing at HarperCollins, um, she and I have worked together for 20 years uh, in a whole host of various ways. Um, and, and we were talking about um, how, uh, so I, I had been, my daughter, Bonnie, my nine-year-old, got into Babysitter's Club in the last couple of years as the Netflix show came out and then the graphic novels. Yeah, how and, good is that resurgence of the oh, Babysitter's so Club? Good. Oh, I love it. I bought the yeah. graphic novels the other day for both my children. I have a boy and a girl, but they both yeah. love it. And we've watched the Netflix series probably four times. And can I say... I have cried out of six out of 11 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> well, so what it got us talking about was that type of fiction where, uh, where stories for kids are not escapist yep. or not highly exaggerated. Um, they're, they're about the real stuff that kids are working out. And so uh, Trent was was saying to was telling me of her experience, which was that she was she was catching up with a, a girlfriend of hers. They were reminiscing about reading Babysitter's Club as a kid. And they said, you know, oh, I was such a Christie and like, oh no, I'm such a Claudia. Oh, I love this. And all of that, right? And and I was trying to think about whether I had an experience of that. Mm. As a kid, and I couldn't. I could. I could find so. So Judy Bloom, Robin Klein, yep. Morris Gleitzman. Yeah. Um, I read. I read. They they would do that sort of thing in terms of they would they would write beautifully and warmly and and with humor about really real stuff. But we were talking about the power and the opportunity for fiction at that primary school age to to give words to what's going on internally, mm-hmm. uh, particularly not to, not to gender it at all, but particularly for boys as well, to, to, to equip them a little bit with some words to put to the feelings mm-hmm. that are happening. And, um, and so, so I, I was reminded in those conversations and in the experience of revisiting the Babysitter's Club with Bonnie that um, that I loved that sort of fiction, the fiction that that was still funny and, and entertaining to read, but also um, helped me make sense of things a little bit. And I can't do that in Funny Kid. Like mm-hmm. Funny Kid, when you have a series, you kind of make a, a contract with the reader, if you like, like yeah. this is what I'm promising to deliver. And the reader says, yeah, oh, good, I'm up for that. And so then what I'm promising in Funny Kid is that I'm trying to make you laugh on every page. Um, and so there's a bunch of things that I can't do in that world. Um, and so I was excited to then create an, a new world, a new series with a new contract um, <laughs> that enables me to, to explore some of the more complicated stuff. Mm, I love that. And I love your conversation with her because obviously with her as the same as me, that nostalgia is so powerful and you remember all those stories. And I was really excited as an adult when Babysitter's Club came back and I was like, oh. mm. and then how good is it to then share that with your children? So you're having this shared experience, you know, of, yes. of um, a text gone past. That's really, really special. So did you figure out that you had any similar experience or you kind of missed out on that? 
I so so I what you were talking about was that there was a you can kind of almost track a bit of a trajectory then from something like the Babysitters Club, which has that you know some readers identifying more with one character than another. Yeah. Um, but all of them given kind of equal weight and balance and validity and their differences celebrated and their yeah. perspectives celebrated. Um, that there's that you can follow a kind of trajectory there all the way through to say something like Sex and the City. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. where people will do the same thing. Oh, I'm such a Samantha or I'm such yeah. a that's the grown-up babysitters club, isn't it? Totally. <laughs> and and that in um in fiction and stories that is packaged in a way that is accessible to boys, and I want to be careful there because obviously boys can read anything, yeah. they can watch anything, uh, and but but certainly um, series and books can be packaged in a way that just makes it more accessible for one more gender appealing. than the other, yeah. um, a bit easier to carry through the playground. Um, and so... Um, I was interested in, yeah, so I didn't have that. I didn't mm. have a series where I went, oh, I'm such a, yeah. where I found myself yeah. in the book and then saw how they were relating, mm. you know, over time, over yeah. a series. and when you said Judy Bloom and Robin Klein, and I don't like to gender books either, but back then particularly they were books for girls. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And so that's interesting that you didn't have the same experience. Yeah, I'm a big believer. Like I, I really influence my kids to read all sorts of books with all different types of protagonists mm, and I right. really sort of give them books without mentioning it. And so yeah. I think they're, they're sort of, a, I'm like, no, I don't say you have to read the, you know, girl protagonist today. I just go, this is a cool book. This is a cool book. And so I think they've gotten so used to reading from various perspectives that I hope it broadens their perspective and they just enjoy the story you know, and and they can see other perspectives. Yes, yeah. But it's hard because you're right, they are drawn to particular things because what their friends are reading or what they think they're supposed to be reading. So I was stoked and my son loved Babysitter's Club, so the three of us just sit there with popcorn and rewatch it for the sixth time. That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Like, mummy crying again? No. Like, (laughs) it's timeless. It's dealing with kind of really human truths and, and... Yeah, experiences. And yeah, I think it's great. And different family structures as well, which I think is really yeah. important because if kids see different family structures, they think, oh, okay, well, that's normal. If, you know, mum's getting remarried or, you know, my dad lives over here or my parents are together, then they can see those different family structures and say, well, that's okay. Everyone's experience is different. So that's been really important, I think, for the kids as well. I totally agree. Yeah. Mm. Now, Matt, you're an absolute machine. Congratulations on a 13 book deal. Like, Tell me about this. Is it what do you got planned? Well, I don't know what you can tell me. Uh, Oh, I don't know what I can tell you either. Um, (laughs) Let's just give it everything. Yeah. yeah, So, uh, uh, so what I've been doing, I, I, so I think this is book number 29 that I've published, the board, which has just come out. Um, And so, uh, so I've tried. I've tried lots of in. I've written and created in lots of different spaces. So mm. I've done two different picture book series with two different people. So one series with Beck, my wife, and, and one series with Tim Miller, and then uh, and then I've done a couple of picture books on my own, and uh, and then I've and then I've also done the, the I've done a graphic novel trilogy, which is almost done. So two books are done, one to go. Um, but I really would like to spend some time doing doing this in the kind of funny kid 
board are creating um, series for kind of middle primary. Um, and so, so the deal with Harper is, uh, is to develop a, a number of those series over the next coming years. So uh, to continue the ones that are, that are ongoing at the moment. So Funny Kid will continue. Uh, board will do a few of those and kind of see where we are. Mm. Um, but then there's also things in the pipeline, new series to develop. I really love the process of creating something brand new. Mm. Um, and I like being able to, to go there every, every year or a couple of years um, because you just, it's just a whole new opportunity to, yeah. to engage new kids. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, so this is just a longer term um publishing deal with Harper I've been working with them the whole way through and uh, and we work really well together and I'm super happy there so it's uh it's it, it provides some real security for us and, and the ability to keep doing it so yeah cool. it's amazing and that creative um creativity you've been given to create a number of series is within those 13 books like that's amazing for you you know because you've it got is. this creative ability to keep being creative in different ways and moving from project to project while maintaining you know the stories it's like a dream it is it is a dream and it's uh and i know how rare it is and it's uh it's it's really wonderful it's come from it's come from a long time of working really closely together yeah. so yeah. there's a real kind of trust built up mm. there there's a real uh positive way of working together and uh and i love that it's that's yeah, invaluable. can't beat that can you yeah. Now I'm interested. I want to go back a bit. Saying you did some books with your wife. What was that experience like, as opposed to collaborating with other people or working solo? Uh, it was great. So we did a series called Books That Drive Kids Crazy, which was five picture books. Uh, uh, there's one called This Is a Ball. One, Did You Take the Beef from My Ook? Uh, the Red <laughs> Book, which is purple. Um, Wait, and the book that never ends. So all of these books were. Um, were effectively games packaged into into picture book form. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so what Beck and I were really uh, excited about and interested in when we were coming up with the concept was the experience that is happening. So they're all read aloud picture books. You you would never give them to a child and say go read this by yeah. yourself. Um, so it's all about the moment that happens outside the book mm. between an adult and a child, or an older child and a younger child. Uh, or a teacher in a classroom. And so um, so the books are kind of facilitated play, if you like. Basically, we had it, it came really organically from us together because it, it, it started around the time that we started having children and, uh, and something that I had said to Beck and I, we were walking along the beach one day, Beck was very pregnant, and, uh, and I said to her, I'm worried that, I'm, that I've forgotten how to play. Mm. Like I'm now an adult with a job and with bills and a mortgage and all those sorts of things. And I haven't played since I was a kid. What if I don't remember how to do that? Mm. And, uh, and as we talked to a bunch of our friends who were at a similar life stage, we, we realized, oh, that's, that was a kind of common kind of feeling of like, oh, do, how, do you, how do you enter into a child's space as an adult? in a way that they want you to. Yeah. And so the idea behind those books was to kind of create a script basically where if the adult just reads the words, the child brings the game. Mm, and you wow, can't. So, really clever. So the first book in the series is called This is a Ball and it's got a box on the front. 
And if you read, this is a ball, and you sh- with with a four year old <laughs> or a five year old, um, they they will argue with you, <laughs> guarantee. <laughs> and so, and then it kind of the it it rolls on and it mm. builds up. And so it was that. a really wonderful experience to work together. We mm. we love working together. We we both work from home. We're here all the time. It's um. It's, it's pretty special. Yeah, it's fabulous. I love the idea of what you were saying um, about play because I think as adults, you're right, and being an adult can be pretty boring sometimes. Yeah. And so I think the idea of play is really interesting, and I think sometimes you get a bit caught up in adulthood, but then you have kids and you're kind of forced to play, and then you're finding things that you can both enjoy, you know, not yeah. to say that I don't enjoy playing with bluey toys, but it gets a bit old sometimes. <laughs> sure. And so you've got to be really creative again. What can we all do together so we're all having a good time? You know, yes. so I found rollerblading, you know, so I've taught my kids to rollerblade. So oh, awesome. when we want to play, because I was a big, you know, 80s, 90s rollerblader. What was <laughs> I? Know? I? Yeah. Oh, it was the era, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny now, Matt, is you go to the roller rink and they're like, you've got to put your, your like wrist pads on and your knee pads right. and you got to wear a helmet and they've got this right. little rolly thing that you lean on. And so they were taking ages to learn and I was just sort of going, I'm just going to go for a bit of a skate yeah. while you do what you're doing. Yeah. And my son said, how did you learn to skate? And I said, not with all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't I just, need this. <laughs> I just went and I fell sometimes, but I'm okay. Yeah. So he looked at me and he put the thing aside. Like, I don't know what it is, like a little rolly ape thing. Yeah. He put it aside and he goes, oh, and he just, he just did it. How and good. from that day, he just figured it out. And I'm like, how amazing yeah. is this? So those shared play experiences, I think yeah. they're so important. I don't want to stop that when my kids get bigger, you know, because I think play is so important for us all. Like yeah. for our mental health and Absolutely. just really good for us. You know, we should never stop playing. Yeah. And, and yeah. Oh, I love that so much because what do they draw out of us, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that kind of, again, that idea of not patronising them, that like what they do, what they bring their perspective on the world mm. is so hugely valuable in its own right, but also to us. Yeah. And and if if we can allow ourselves to be drawn into their world as much as we're constantly drawing them into ours, then, um, yeah, I think it's rich and wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the roller skating rink. All right? Yeah. With blades on, <laughs> we'll have a race. <laughs> We've done some ice skating. We've done oh, some yeah. ice skating, but I uh, haven't done the rollerblading rink yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm the worst. My kids are like, oh, mum, show us a trick. So, of course I do, but I'm a bit rusty. Right? Yeah, so sure. I did this trick had the biggest stack of my life yeah and I I did like one of those second degree sprains on my ankle this was in December and right. it's, I'm still in pain in April and you're limping around and someone's saying what's wrong with you like rollerblading injury <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I was like yeah I'll show you a trick um probably shouldn't have because I hadn't done that in 20 years <laughs> My knees don't work like they used to. <laughs> so if you see me limping around, just pretend you can't see it. <laughs> now, a big question for you, Matt. Why do you, I usually ask, why do you write? But because you write an illustrator, I might say, why do you create? Oh, what a, that's a huge question. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can not. <laughs> uh, that was a bad sentence. Um, but uh, <laughs> So this is something that I've always done and and I knew I wanted to write from about the age of seven. My mum has a, a project that I did in grade three 
a kind of who am I, where did I come from, what do I want to be when I grow up type project. And I, it's written in there. I want to be a writer. Oh, I love that. Um, and so I've kind of always, as I mentioned before, kind of escaped into story, escaped into my imagination. I used to have a paper run and and walk around the streets mm. in the dark or by myself in the morning and thinking up different stories and things to write. And so I've always kind of done it and um and I love it. It's it's exciting for me. It's stimulating. It's um, yeah. I, I don't think I could not do it. Mm. Um, I love doing it for kids, and that was a bit of an accident. I didn't. I didn't. I knew I wanted to write, but I didn't okay. know I wanted to That's write. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but there's so, a joy uh, in it, isn't there? There's a joy uh, in thinking yeah. that you know, particularly with picture books, this could be one of the first books that these kids have been read to, you know, yeah. and then it's special again saying, you know, you're becoming like entering their world mm. and helping with their experiences and giving them different perspectives. Like it's children's literature is so important, I think. Oh, I totally agree. It's um, I'm amazed at how amazed and kind of horrified by how early kids can adopt the sentence I hate reading mm. and and how you still, you then hear that in adults too. Yeah. I've heard it from teachers. Oh. They know, you know, trying to encourage their kids to read. I mean, I hate reading myself, but, you know, you're like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> and kids <laughs> absorb that. Even if you don't say it, they absorb sure. that. Sure. And lots mm. of parents, lots of parents, like I want my kid to read. I'm not a reader. Mm. Uh, and and I'm fascinated by uh, when does that start? Yeah. When do, when do you adopt that label that yeah. then just really and easy it sticks, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. And I think it's it's in this primary school age. It's in this. It's uh, often because often the the skill of learning to read for some kids is really hard work, yeah. uh, and and then and so it's it is work. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. Slog. But that's where your graphic novels come in, right? Because they're cool, you know. So they're not a book for kids who have trouble reading. Graphic novels have this really cool edge to them. So that's yeah. been a really great thing that kids can pick up, and you know, read at whatever level reader they are. I think that graphic novels have been hugely undervalued yeah. in yeah, there. absolutely, especially in the opportunity in that space between when kids are moving kind of from picture books to novels yeah. because they've developed this whole visual literacy skill in, in picture books. Yeah. And they, and that, that's a, that's a skill they use when yeah. they watch TV, when Absolutely. they play video games, when they're anything. Um, and then sometimes we, we, we skip of, a step. We, yeah. We kind yeah. of say now make this like, then we hand them a book that has no pictures in it. And it's just full of <laughs> like text. What? <laughs> and it's, and it's too big a jump. And, and they might be ready for a more substantial story because they're getting older mm. and they want more depth, but they're not quite ready to just let go of all of the visual literacy stuff. And so I think graphic novels, I mean, it's true in my house with my, mm -hmm. with, with my kids, yep. but that's that space. And so the, the Babysitter's Club graphic mm. novels, the, the Rainer um, Tegelmeyer books, um, and I hope my odd series in that space has um is is quite powerful i think yeah i think so too and i think you know visual literacy i think that's underrated as well i mean i'm an old english mm. teacher mm. and you know that was a something we studied on its own you know reading pictures and what they mean and you know the positioning and the placement and so i think yeah i think skipping that step could really turn readers off i was mm. actually completely paranoid obviously i'm a huge book person mm. and when i had kids i thought i don't want to i read this article that said if you push 
books on kids, they'll rebel. So it was freaking right. out going, what do I do? And the number one thing was make sure kids see you read. Yes. Yeah. That's it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's how easy it is. And that's why when you're saying, even if a parent doesn't say they hate reading, but they're not a reader, the kids aren't seeing the adult reading. And so they're not doing it. So isn't that interesting yeah. that that's the number one thing. The other thing was having yeah. a house, you know, full of books. Full of books, yeah. Um, but the main thing was just watching them, um, them watching you reading, which I, I thought was fascinating. And so it's worked yeah. in my house, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're modeling. It's all modeling behavior, mm. right? And and normalizing behavior. And uh, I, yeah, I find that hugely challenging because it's, I mean, obviously my kids see me working with books. Yeah. But how often do they see me sitting and reading for pleasure? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, the only time I really have to do that is once they're asleep. <laughs> Take pictures of yourself. See, look, I am reading. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm doing. That's a great idea. <laughs> reading selfie. Um, uh, yeah, but I think it is. It's really important. And mm. so finding ways to do that. Um, I, I, I had a thing for a while. We live not too far from the beach, which is wonderful. Um, but I had a thing for a while of going, okay, if we're going to the beach, everyone has to bring a book. Like, yes, you don't necessarily have to read it. I'm not going to make you read it there, but everyone choose a book to, to bring to the beach. And I will too. And we'll like, we've all got our book read, our beach reading book. <laughs> um, yeah, there might be something in that. I yeah, I love that. We actually, my son and I, we're the worst because we bring a book everywhere we go, even if we're just right. going to get petrol. Right. Because how many times have I been unstuck where there's this dead 15 minutes of I'm waiting for something or someone or my coffee hasn't come and yeah. I wished I'd had a book. So never again. So we just bring a book everywhere we go Very in good. case we get that 10 minutes where we can squish a chapter in. That's great. That's so good. <laughs> But he's the worst because he will go on a walk and he'll be like, can I take my book? I'm like, as much as I'd love to say yes, <laughs> I think you need to look at the nature that I'm trying to immerse you in. So he would walk with a book. But anyway, created a monster. Nice. <laughs> oh, Matt, it's been so lovely to speak to you. And I'm so glad we've had this chat. I think we've gone on a few tangents, which have a nostalgia and rollerblading and kids reading. Yeah. But such important topics and fun too, because I often think, you know, with books comes nostalgia and, you know, bringing that love of reading or whatever you're reading into, you know, children's lives now. So thank you so much for the chat and congratulations on, you know, all your success. So deserved. And I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I've loved our conversation. Let's do it again sometime. <laughs>